So we've, we've crossed the floor at London Book Fair and we are now with Michael Tamblin from Kobo and Ewan McLeod from Mobile Industry Review. Hello, gents. Uh, hello. <laughs> hello. And now, Michael, w- welcome, welcome to 361 Degrees. We are doing a special on the future of digital publishing. So for those who aren't familiar with Kobo, just give us a quick rundown on who you are and what you do. Uh, Kobo is a just over two-year-old um, ebook retailer um, and device manufacturer bringing an, uh, an ebook experience from country to country around the world. We power WH Smith here in the UK, you know, Fnac in France, Libris in Netherlands. We are delivering ebooks to anywhere between 100 and 150 countries on any every given day uh, with a catalog of about you know, 2.5 million books and, uh, and about 8 million users who, uh, who call us home. So it's been a fantastic year of accelerated growth for us, and uh, you know, happy to have you here in the seething hive of uh, the London Book Fair's digital zone today. Well, it's funny actually. You and I have spent the last uh, the last hour or so going around growling at all of these people printing words on dead trees. So it's refreshing to have someone with a, a bit of a, a forward-looking f- view here. But Michael, can I just ask? Has it only been two years? It seems like you guys have been around for a long time. I feel. Uh, no, Kobo was you know, incubated inside a bricks-and-mortar retailer and then spun out in December of 2009. And you know everything that's happened really has happened in the last uh, 28-odd months. Uh, and when you think about it, you know, really this whole digital revolution has really kind of, you know, is in three years or less. So uh, it's amazing how fast things change. Now, now, Michael, my experience of Kobo is seeing in the WH Smith retail in the UK, seeing you know uh, physical hardware devices, ebook readers, and things like that. But just just talk talk us around the, the platform as it stands, because you are a distribution mechanism, but you've also got hardware out in the field. And have you got um, apps and things uh, for di- uh, smartphone platforms? Kobo uh, was one of the pioneers of uh, a library in the cloud that synchronized across both a range of devices and applications. So, you know, we were one of the first to iPad. We were one of the first to Android. We were, uh, you know, we show up on BlackBerry platforms, on Playbook, and then also our own range of both e-ink and Android-powered tablet devices. And that idea of transferability, portability, kind of bring your library with you wherever you go is really important to us, that you shouldn't be bound into a particular platform. You shouldn't be tied to a particular ecosystem anywhere. One of the great things about Kobo is you can take your books out of our, you know, out of our platform, out of our system, and bring them somewhere else if you like. Um, you know, you should never feel that you, your library has to be locked into a particular place. And much of our conversation has been around how the industry is going through a change at the moment. You know, we really, it's difficult to see anyone ex- executing a, a strategy. Everyone's sort of dipping their toe in new waters and finding their way in these, these new fields. So I get the impression that Kobo's out there kind of actually a little bit ahead of the curve now with, with its products, you say the cloud-based solution and things like that. I, I wanted your, your take as an industry observer uh, on the event that's going on here and actually some of the sort of the trends and the things that are going to matter to consumers over the next sort of 12, 24 months? London Book Fair, in a lot of ways, is a barometer of how this industry is changing. You know, if you came here 10 years ago, you would have publishers, you would have agents, and you would have almost nothing else. Uh, you know, some booksellers from bricks and mortar stores walking around. If you look at it now, there are you know, publishers doing business as they have done, agents doing business as they have done, but also this massive digital section, you know, full of different people trying to find different ways to innovate in this space, you'll also find a massive raft of self-published authors, people who are really, you know, kind of publishing houses of one, um, interacting with agents, interacting with publishers, interacting with ourselves. And uh, that, more than anything, I think, is a sign of how much 
this fair has changed. The ecosystem is both more dynamic and far more complex than it was you know, even four or five years ago. And um, Michael, can you just give us an idea of what, what are your users doing at the minute? What, what, how are they using your service in terms of books and subscribing? Give us an overview. So, you know, there is the average user who is, you know, a fan of that immersive literary experience who loses themselves in a book um, and finds it as, you know, their kind of solace and source of escape in their day. Um, but then there are also those who see reading as either a social experience or something to be shared. And so while we have, you know, people who will just dive into a book and never come out, we also have people who are, you know, sharing their favorite passages, who are interacting with their friends about the books that they like. And, you know, that sort of happens at a title level. But what we've also done within Kobo is bring that within the book itself. So you can be you know, kind of commenting on uh, what's happening in a book essentially on a page-by-page -page basis. And, you know, we keep it off to the side and tucked away so that it doesn't interfere with the quality of reading. But if you want to, you can essentially kind of flip that page over and see all of the thoughts and ideas and interest that's going on through the readership that's engaged in that book. And what we've just added on on top of that is a special channel that authors can use to communicate to their readers, again, on a page-by-page -page basis. So, you know, here's what I was thinking about when I introduced this character. You know, here was where I struggled to kind of pull the plot together. And, you know, it creates almost like a director's cut of the novel um, that you can, you know, look at or sort of ignore as you see fit. It's kind of like a DVD extras kind of concept. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and again, part what we're most motivated by is what are the things that we can do in a digital platform that simply aren't available to someone who's reading in paper? So how can we take a reading experience and make it more, you know, make it different, make it more interactive, make it richer? Now, so far, we've, we've talked about how uh, what we're, ta we're taking um, digital platforms, adding value to the distribution of traditional long-form content, and maybe you're reaching more customers or you're making it more convenient for people who used to read paper books to read on you know, digital devices. Do you see that devices and ecosystems like Kobo and, it, and its competitors have yet gone the full circle and are shaping what people are choosing to write or the way that they're choosing to create content? Especially when we look at the self-published space, we see a collection of authors who are more than ever before incredibly responsive to their readership on you know almost a chapter by chapter certainly book by book basis and mostly because they have feedback mechanisms that they never used to have so you know they can see you know, author sort of reader comments coming in you know hour by hour uh, they can see their own sales and which books perform well and which ones don't and they can do experiments on the books themselves they can change up covers they can you know re-edit they can you know swap in chapters and change them around and then see what the effect is essentially in real time that's something that's never really been possible before when you wrote a book waited a year to edit it put it out on the market and then started again on another sort of two or three year cycle you know now we have people saying oh I took this series in one direction it didn't seem to work well I'm going to toss these books out and I'm going to do some other ones instead and what do you think of, of uh, other editions I mean there's been a little bit of conversation about audio tracks that go alongside a book what's your perspective on that kind of thing for me the enhancement of content the addition of other media to a book has everything to do with whether it actually enhances the experience. Um, it isn't enough to just put video in, it isn't enough just to put audio in, um, it has to make the book better. And so I think a lot of the early experiences we saw with uh, enhanced ebooks were people just trying to see, well, you know, if I, if I add an author video to it, if I, you know, if I add them sort of reading along you know, at the end of a chapter, will that 
make a more valuable product. And I think for the most part, publishers found that was not the case. But what we haven't seen yet, and I think we will start to see soon, are authors who embrace that collection of media options as the baseline from which to create a new work and put the full range of their creative talent on looking at that you know, as a, as a whole creative challenge in and of itself. And then I think we start to see some really interesting things. But it will be an integrated effort as opposed to an additive effort. And my, my perspective here is that the people involved in distributing content really have now already had their industry properly disrupted by the digital players. But actually what we haven't seen is that that disruption creep into the stages that are involved in the commissioning and the editing and the production of the content quite so much. Could you, can you ever imagine a world where Kobo or, or, or what Kobo grows into would be involved in actually sort of seeking out authors and asking them to produce content because they know it would be appealing to the kind of people who own Kobo devices? It's funny. We, uh, we released a small range of uh, books this past, uh, this past winter almost as an experiment in that. Um, and in our case, it was because we were looking at sales data and we were looking at what our readers were interested in and found holes in the inventory that publishers weren't filling. You know, for example, we had lots of publishers who were trying to you know, kind of repackage their you know, 20-pound cookbook as a digital edition um, and try to sell it as a, you know, an 18-pound you know, digital cookbook. And, and people just weren't interested, weren't buying. Um, and you know, what we really needed were some you know, two-pound, three-pound collection of recipes. You know, found a publisher who had that content available, created our own you know, packaged works from that, issued a line of Kobo Basics uh, cookbooks, and they were you know, 20 recipes, 30 recipes, at you know, a pound each, two pounds each, and, uh, and we're really happy with the results. So I think what we'll find as retailers is that we'll constantly be looking at the data for places where uh, publishers haven't been able to step up and serve the needs of the market, uh, where there are readers out there asking for something that just hasn't been delivered yet. And, you know, the hope is you know, publishers will do that for us. We would much rather them do it than we do it. But but if they weren't, if they don't, and it seems like there are sales left on the table, you know, we'll step in to fill that if we have to. What about content types? We've, we've tended to talk about uh, long-form, sort of traditional professional publishing, but increasingly now people expect their news media to be f- high quality but free, and people are looking at you know, bloggers and, and, and sort of unpaid writers as, as a source of opinion, if, if, even if not a source of uh, entertainment. Can you, see that that, can you see that those worlds will all become sort of merged into one continuum, or do you think that uh, the, the publishing that, that your firm does will stay sort of um, professional, curated, edited, and, and paid for exclusively? When we look at the parts of the content ecosystem right now that are making the transition to digital, you know, it, it tends to be those that are coming from you know, particular and distinctive voices. You know, uh, you know, narrative fiction, as you say, narrative nonfiction, you know, I'll have you know, um, a lot of pickup because those are the kinds of things that don't show up for free online. You know, the, the categories that we see significantly impacted, you know, travel books, recipes, reference, dictionaries, you know, all things where, you know, regardless of, you know, kind of the quality of curation, have 
free online substitutes available. And as we're doing everything we can to essentially put connected devices into people's hands, um, they're going to decide, well, you know, should I buy a travel book or should I go over to this website that will rate every single hotel for me in the entire world and use that instead. But what you will never, what you won't get online is someone giving away for free, you know, their deep and trenchant analysis of the War of the Roses. You know, you won't get the person who's going to, you know, spend two years building, um, you know, an economic model to talk about the future of the European Union. You know, those are things that both take deep time, deep introspection, and that, you know, people expect to be paid for to produce. So, you know, that to me is kind of the, the real paywall that surrounds content. You know, it's not about, um, you know, anything that can be printed can be given away for free. There are some things that, you know, people actually have to sit down, spend a lot of time writing, and then, you know, and people are on the other side willing to buy. I'm just interested, Michael, and how, for those listening, how, how do you actually get started? If you say, do you know what, this this guy from Kobo's making a lot of sense, I'd like to do a book, I'd like to, how do I do that? What, what's, what's the first step? For us, you come to uh, you come to Kobo. You go to the bottom of the page. There's a link called Authors and Publishers. And you know what's interesting about that link is that it's both together. You know, we don't say, you know, here's this one special room for publishers, and then over here there's a side door. You know, <laughs> where we keep the rubbish. You know, the authors can come in there. Um, you know, we're treating authors and publishers essentially the same. You know, go in there, email addresses, access to uh, to kind of materials to to get you started, and lots of work to being done right now by us on how do we build out that self-publishing experience? How do we make that set of tools so easy and so compelling that anyone who has, you know, kind of the manuscript sitting on their computer right now, you know, can load it up and get started. And you know, that's the work that is, you know, consuming us significantly right now. And in the next couple of months, you're going to see some exciting things come up from us on that. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Michael, for your time. We're really looking forward to it. Uh, if you, people want to find out more about Kobo, the firm, rather than Kobo, you know, the platform, where can they go? Uh, all to the same place, uh, www.kobo.com. And uh, you know, we have everything from corporate information to a fantastic ebook store all in the same spot. And we're not even going to charge you for that advert. Michael, <laughs> thank you very much for your time. <laughs>